Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Oh, God is good. Give somebody a high five. Tell them I'm glad you made it to Easter today. Oh, wow. Come on, can you turn to your neighbor and say, my, my, my? You're the best looking thing I've seen all day. (laughs) How many of you are wearing something new for Easter Sunday? Come on, you brought out your, your Sunday best. Fellas, how many of you are wearing something against your will today, but it was assigned to you? Oh, yes. We want to take a moment to welcome all of the campuses that have joined us on this Resurrection Sunday right there at Denham Springs. We we love you. We honor you. We thank God for our Ascension Campus, everything that's happening in that parish. So many great things are going on. Uh, I want to give a shout out to the guys at Angola. You are a part of this family. We honor you. We thank God for you. And a special welcome to all the ladies at LCIW. Oh my goodness, we hear amazing things of what God is doing in and through you. Church, would you put your hands together? Show your love and appreciation for HPC all around the world. We have been in a series called Yahweh. Somebody say Yahweh. As a church, over the last four or five weeks, we've been talking about the names of God. And you know, when when God gives us his names, he reveals to us his character. Uh, I want you to know this, God knows you. I know in this auditorium alone, we probably have 2,500 people, and sometimes you can feel like just another face, but God sees you, God knows you, and he wants you to know him. He, He reveals his character and his nature to us through his names, and we've looked over the last four weeks at the different encounters that the the people of God had with him. And in those moments, he reveals names like Yahweh Nisi, God is my banner. In moments, he reveals Yahweh Rapha, the Lord is my healer. He speaks to us as Yahweh Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. Today, I wanna unpack a a thought to you, a, a simple thought. It's a, it may be an unfamiliar story to some of you, but it's going to point to the greatest story ever told. It's going to point to the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you today about Yahweh Yaira, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Genesis chapter 22. In Genesis 22, and I want to break this down into really three different segments. This single chapter Uh, really gives us three thoughts. I want to talk to you about the faith of a father. I want to show you the submission of a son and eventually point you to the provision of God. Everybody say the faith of a father. Say the submission of a son. Say the provision of God. Probably no other story in the Old Testament paints a better picture of the cross and resurrection than this one. Read with me in Genesis 22, verse 1. The Bible says this, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. You know, your faith can't be trusted until it's first tested. God put Abraham to the test, and he said, Abraham, God called, yes. Abraham replied, here I am. 
Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Abraham was being tested, and he didn't even realize it. Have you ever taken a test, and you didn't know you were being tested? You remember going to school way back in the day, walking into the classroom, and the teachers say, take out a sheet of paper, number it from one to 10. How many of you, that still gives you cold chills just thinking about that? Yeah, those pop quizzes when, when you didn't know there was a test, but it, it just happened upon you. I, I remember when I, when I took my last test, I, I graduated with a degree in computer science. Is that not hilarious? I can barely check my own emails, but yet I have a degree in computer science. And I remember when I took my final exam and when I walked out the class, I thought, you know what? I will never take another test in my life. <laughs> and then I got a job. <laughs> and how many know there are tests on your job? And then I started having to pay bills. Come on, talk to me. How many know money is a test? Oh, yes. And then I got married. <laughs> you talk about tests. <laughs> and then I started having kids. <laughs> Sweet Jesus. <laughs> and I thought, Lord, I want to go back to school and take out a sheet of paper, a number from one to 10. There are tests at every level of life. And Abraham was being tested. Now, let me be clear to say this. God will not tempt you, but he will test you. You see, temptation is designed for your failure, but a test is designed for your success. A test doesn't necessarily produce faith, but a test reveals the faith that you already have. Now, let me ask you, in this particular test of Abraham, could there have been a more difficult test than this one? I mean, think about it. Let me give you some context here. Abraham had been walking with God for many years. God spoke to Abraham years before and said, I want you to leave your land and go to a land that I will show you. He didn't even know where he was going. He just had to put one foot in front of the other. Sometimes all you have is faith enough just to take the next step. You don't have to know the destination, just the courage to take the next step. And God promises him in that journey, I'm going to give you a child. And through this child, your family will be blessed. The, the families of the earth and all the nations of the world will be blessed because of this child. And he promised him a son, and it didn't happen for 25 years. Finally, 25 years later, his wife gets pregnant. Oh, by the way... At this time, Abraham is 100 years old. Brand new parents. You know, a kid will change your life. But try being a brand new parent at 100 years of age. And his wife, Sarah, was 90. Come on, this is no joke now. This, is, this really happened. And now in his old age, he has this son. You know, I believe a baby rocks your world. God gives you kids when you're young. You know why? because it takes massive energy to raise them and chase them and train them. Can I have an amen from all the parents? 100 years old and he's a brand new parent. That tells me this, you're never too old to start something new. And God gives Abraham this promised son, Isaac. His name means laughter and he brought so much joy to his parents. This was the son of promise and now God says, hey, that son, your only son, 
Isaac, the one that you love, give him to me. I want him. How many of you, if God is requiring that of you, how many of you might struggle just a little bit? Oh, I would have some questions. Would you want a conversation with God? God, you got some explaining to do. But God feels no need to explain himself. Abraham simply says, here I am. He makes himself available. Let let me stop right here and tell you this. God's not interested in your ability. He wants your availability. To do great things for the kingdom, it doesn't rest on your skill set or your talent. It rests on your ability to yield to the Lord. Abraham says, here I am. Look at what it says, verse 3. The next morning, Abraham got up early. I bet it was a sleepless night for Abraham. He wakes up early, saddles his donkey, and he took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped the wood for a fire, for a burnt offering, and he set out for the place God had told him about. Notice there's no discussion here. There's just obedience. I don't know how Abraham did it. You see the faith of a father in this moment when God requires of him this promised son. Now look at verse 4. On the third day, somebody say third day. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. Now, there's significance in the scriptures when the Bible talks about third day. Okay, there's some very important third days in the Bible. The first third day was creation. On the third day of creation, the Bible says God separated the water from the land, and he brought up vegetation. Somebody say new life. On the third day, Moses took the Israelites on a journey into the wilderness. Somebody say new freedom. God appeared at Mount Sinai to the Israelites on the third day and made a covenant with them. Somebody say new relationships. Jonah spent three days in the belly of a fish. Somebody say new direction. Jesus rose again on the third day. Can you say new beginnings? Something significant about this third day. I called my dad early this morning, and my dad is kind of the worrying type. He's just nervous. Anybody know people like that? Just nervous. And I, I called him this morning early. I said, Dad, did you hear the news? He said, what? I said, you haven't heard what's happened? He said, no, what? I said, the tomb is empty. He said, oh, Michael, I can't believe. I said, Dad, listen, think about it. 2,000 years ago, they were concerned because they had seen Jesus be crucified on Friday. You see, Friday was dark. Saturday was silent. But Sunday changed everything. You see, the third day speaks of resurrection. And resurrection tells us that the worst thing is never the last thing. Now, maybe you got some bad things happening in your life right now, but resurrection gives you hope that it's going to get better. The worst thing is not the last thing. The third day, somebody say third day. Mm -mm. The Bible says on this third day, Abraham saw the place in the distance. Now, verse 5 is the key, I think, to this whole story. Verse 5, Abraham tells his servants, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, then we will come right back. Notice what he said. He said, we'll worship. Somebody say, we worship. Say, we'll be right back. This is the very first time in all of Scripture that worship is referenced to God. 
He says, we will worship. Now, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. Many of you know this story already, and you know how it ends. For those of you who don't, I'm going to tell you this. It ends up all right. Everything works out. Okay, don't get nervous. God's asking them, hey, offer your son as a sacrifice. The Lord will provide. But watch this. It starts with a test. It ends with provision. How do you get from the test to the provision? Worship. Worship will help you make it through the middle. Worship will get you through the hard stuff. Come on, are you, are you hearing me today? And you know, when you're going through tough stuff, what you want to do the least is worship. But what you need to do the most is worship. Worship has the ability to shift your focus from yourself to God. You know, and when I'm praising God, I become more God-conscious and less self-conscious. I move from feelings to a realm of faith. Come on, talk to me. There's something significant that begins to happen in my life. And the good news is I don't have to wait to church to worship. I don't have to wait till a Sunday or a service or thank God for the band and the team, but I can worship in my truck. Some of my best worship moments are when I'm driving down the road. And listen, when you hit the Baton Rouge traffic, you need Jesus in your vehicle. You ought to try to worship him a little bit at work. You ought to try to take a little praise break, man. Just say, you know what? I, I, things are getting tough. I'm going to step back, and I'm going to give God praise. The Bible says the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. That means God literally comes to dwell inside of your praise. So the best time to give him praise is when you're going through a problem. How many of you, you got some big problems? Only two of you are being honest. The problem may be bigger than you, but it's not bigger than God. And when you begin to worship, Abraham says, we're going to worship. And that got him faith to say, we're coming right back. You see, there's transformation that begins to take place as we give God praise. I call it transformation through adoration. Man, when you begin to lift up the name of Jesus, things begin to change on the inside of you. You see, God is much more interested in changing you than he is in changing your circumstances. Sometimes we say, Lord, change him. Lord, change her. Lord, do something about that over there. You know? And God's like, whoa, whoa, whoa time out. I'm going to use that over there to fix something that's going on in here. Worship is a big deal. Abraham knew that anything was possible. But it was impossible for God to break his promises. Abraham knew that if God could bring this son through a barren womb, then he can raise him from a tomb if he has to. Come on, talk to me. The faith of a father. Number two, look at the submission of a son. Verse six. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. This is important. We'll get back to that in just a moment. He placed the wood on Isaac's shoulders, while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Dad, something ain't right here. What's going on? Yes, my son. He says, we have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Verse 8. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar, he arranged the wood on it, then he tied his son Isaac 
and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. Now, now this is where the story takes a significant shift. We move from the faith of a father, but let's look at the submission of a son. Most scholars believe that Isaac was not a small child, but he was in his 20s, maybe his early 30s. Okay, so Isaac, there, there, he's fit. Wait, 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 Dad. I see we got all this stuff. There's the altar, there's the wood, the fire. Where's the sacrifice? I can see him trying to understand and reason this out. Isaac could have easily argued with his dad and be like, Dad, if you lay a hand on me, Mama's going to kill you. Come on, and all the mamas said amen. amen. He could have argued with his dad. Listen, he could have tricked his dad and kind of escaped. Hey, Dad, look, squirrel. I mean, think about it. Abraham's over 100 years old now. I think Isaac could outrun him. You ain't catching, man. I'm in my 20s or 30s, man. I can lap you. Uh, he, he could have overpowered his dad. He could have wrestled him and fought him. I mean, I know there's a thing called old man's strength, but Abraham couldn't take Isaac. But what does Isaac do? He surrenders. He says, Dad, I know that you trust God, so I trust you. Parents, grandparents, can your children and grandkids look at you, even though they don't understand everything, can they say, I know you trust God, and because you trust God, I trust you. You see, you know what surrender is? Surrender is your ability to say yes to Jesus every day. And it's not just praying a prayer one time. Well, when I was a kid, I I, I prayed a prayer, and I'm saved. Now I'm just going to live my life however I want to. No, no, no. you got to say yes to Jesus every day. You wake up and you say, Lord, my answer is yes. Now what's the question? What is it that you want from me? Lord, I've given you my life. You can have my children. You can have my marriage. You can have my finances. You can have my future. Lord, it's all in your hands. You see, I want you to do this. I want you to put your hands in front of you, and I want you to clench your fists like this. You see, the world wants you to cling to your life. The world wants you to possess what belongs to you and surrender it to no one. When you live selfishly, you live with closed fists. You know what? I've earned my keep. I've paid my dues. I'm going to keep what I have, and ain't nobody taking it from me. Well, that's good for you, but guess what? If God wants to give you something, How many know he can't fit anything into your hands when they're close-fisted? Some of you pray, well, why won't God bless me? Well, why won't God give me? Well, why won't God? You know what? Because you're living like this. He can't put anything into these hands. But now open them up. Open up the palms of your hands. Doesn't that feel better? Now, look, there's some vulnerability in living like this. It's saying, Lord, my life is not my own. Everything that came to me, it's from you. So, Lord, if you give it, it belongs to you. You can take it, too. Now, guess what? This is a position of generosity, but this is also a position to receive everything that God wants to give you. You see, the faith of a father demands the submission of a son. Abraham couldn't do this thing on his own. He needed Isaac to cooperate. God needs your cooperation. He'll never force himself on you. Man, you've got to surrender what's in your hands, and God will release what's in his hands. I thought about, I thought about this analogy, bowling. How many of you, you like to bowl? 
how many of you are like me and you're terrible at bowling? Yes. When you go to the bowling alley, do you use the bumper bowls? How many, just be honest, where you at? Okay, that's me. If I don't have bumper bowls, I'm ending up in the gutter. Come on, that'll preach. Some of you need some accountability, need some guidelines and some guardrails. Come on, talk to me. I go to the bowling alley, not because I'm good, but because I like to be entertained. Have you seen the way that some people bowl? It is hysterical. Next time you go to the bowling alley, I want you to check out what people do. Uh, when, I, when I bowl, I never release the ball right. It never goes where I want it to go. It's funny to watch how people act when they roll that ball down the lane. You know, because they, they, they'll roll it and then they'll... And, and won't they? They'll wave at it, they'll threaten it, they'll talk to it, they'll hop on one leg, they'll twist their body. Isn't it amazing? Now, now listen, when you bowl, there are certain things that, that you're responsible for. There's footwork, there's the backswing, there's the release. Saw what I did right there? You like that? It's just for looks. I promise you, it does not work. But there are certain things that you are responsible for. But you know what? When you let the ball go, you no longer have control. And when you said yes to Jesus, you know what you did with your life? You said, hey, here, Holy Ghost. Not my will, but yours be done. This is dangerous stuff to talk about. But hear me, there's power in this because you will never lay it down and lose. Whatever you lay down in the kingdom, you never lose. When you surrender, you gain. Oh, I love it. The will of God will never take you where the grace of God can't sustain you. I remember we walked through some difficulties with our children, and Rachel told me this statement, and it blew me away. I thought it was so true. She said, Mike, you know, I realized it's one thing to surrender your kids to the Lord, but it's another thing to surrender your plans for your kids to the Lord. Moms and dads, grandparents, we got to teach our kids, train our kids, invest in them, and then release them to the care of God. This is an amazing picture. I want you to hear this now. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to go deep with something. I want you to catch this. Isaac is an amazing picture of the surrendered Jesus Christ. Remember, watch this. The, the, the scripture says they traveled on a donkey. As they're climbing the hill of Moriah, they traveled on a donkey. What happened last weekend on Palm Sunday when we celebrated? Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. The scripture tells us that they ascended the hill of Moriah. What you need to know and you'll find out is that Jesus was crucified on this exact same hill. Uh, Isaac carried the wood on his back as he prepared for the sacrifice. And 2,000 years later, Jesus would carry his cross through the Via Della Rosa on his way to Golgotha. Uh, Isaac was in the prime of his life, and Jesus, when he was crucified, was 33 years old. Isaac had to submit to his father, and Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Somebody say the faith of a father. Say the submission of a son. Now let's look at the provision of God. Abraham says, son, 
the Lord will provide a lamb. 2,000 years later, John the Baptist would look at Jesus and say, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Verse 10, Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord, now I want you to circle that phrase. We'll get back to that. That's not a little thing. That's a big deal. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Notice that's the only thing Abraham ever says to God in this chapter. Yes, here I am. Abraham's still available, even in the toughest part of the test. Verse 12, don't lay a hand on that boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and he saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram, and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. There was a substitute here. God required something of him and then provided something for him. Oh, this is so rich. Verse 14, Abraham named the place Yahweh, Yireh, which means what? We call it Jehovah, Jireh. The, the Hebrew language doesn't pronounce the J's. Yahweh, Yireh, Jehovah, Jireh, the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb on the mountain of the Lord. It will be provided. Now, here's the question. Who was it that interrupted Abraham? As Abraham had the knife, Isaac was bound on the altar. The knife was raised. The Bible says a voice came from heaven, the angel of the Lord, not an angel. Angels are messengers. They are representatives, ambassadors of heaven. But this wasn't just an angel. The Bible says the angel. Who's the angel? Jesus Christ himself. This is Jesus in the Old Testament. It's called a Christophany. When you see a reference of Jesus, a manifestation of Jesus in the Old Testament, before he was ever born in Bethlehem, he showed up 2,000 years prior on this hill of Moriah. And he tells Abraham, don't lay a hand on that boy. He says, Isaac, you don't have to die on that altar. 2,000 years later, I will come and die in your place. Jesus himself would become the sacrifice. Not just for your sins and my sins, but the sins of the whole world. As Abraham was walking up one side of that mountain, God was bringing his solution up the other side. Yahweh, Yaira, the Lord will provide. Abraham names that place. Watch this. He didn't name that place after what he had done. Hey, y'all saw how I passed that test? I'm going to call this the mountain of obedience after me. In fact, I'm going to take a selfie right here and post it on Instagram. See, Abraham didn't even make it about himself. I love this. He didn't make it about what he had done. He said, I'm going to name this mountain after what he has done. I'm going to call it Jehovah Jireh because the Lord has provided. And I want you to know, church, that whatever it is that you need, God is sufficient. Man, he will supply. You need peace? God's got plenty of that. You need strength? Listen, his strength is made perfect in your weakness. Man, you need hope? Hope has a name, and that name is Jesus. Uh, on the hill of the Lord, God will provide. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for God made Christ 
who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we might be made right with God through Christ. God made Jesus to be sin in our place. The great substitute. I can't go through Easter and not think about my pawpaw. My pawpaw was a wild man back in his 20s. Loved to drink, loved women, loved to party. He just lived a crazy, selfish, reckless life. He was at a party late one night, had way too much to drink, stayed out way too late, decided to go home, so he and his buddy jumped in the car. And they were driving home, and my papa just couldn't even keep his eyes open. So he asked his buddy, he said, look, couldn't you just drive us home? I'm not sure I can get us there. So they pulled over, they switched seats, and they continued their journey. Not long after that, got in a head-on collision. And the driver of that vehicle lost his life. And my grandfather didn't know the Lord at the time. My grandfather carried such guilt for years. He, 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 just tremendous anxiety over what had happened. He kept thinking, you know what? That should have been me. That should have been me that had died. Well, back in 1948, down in McAllen, Texas, on Easter Sunday, my papa was 36 years old. He finds himself in a small four-square church in McAllen, Texas. And he heard the pastor preach on Easter Sunday about how God took our place. And in that moment, it clicked for my papa. And he felt God calling out to him. And he realized that all the guilt that he had carried and all the regret from his poor decisions, that he could give that to the Lord. And he came from the back of that church and stood up front and confessed the Lord Jesus. And it was at that moment that it not only changed his life, but it began the faith legacy for our entire family. My papa was a barber. He cut hair for 50 years. He had five daughters. He, he, he raised five girls on a dollar a haircut. I mean, how many know that was a different day back in the, back in the day? But he trusted God to provide for him. And the Lord sustained both him and my grandmother and, and my mom and all of her sisters. And now I'm saved and my, my family is saved. My kids, there is a faith legacy. When you say yes to Jesus, God provides not just for you, but there's sufficient grace for generations to come. I don't know what you're struggling with today. I don't know what your, what your test is. But I promise you this. God has everything you need to pass that test. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.